So in your Bibles today, in the book of Daniel, chapter number one, if you would join me there. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. This is vitally important. The Lord gave him into his hand. Somebody say the Lord gave him. The Lord gave him into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God. Oh, how vitally important. Which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. He brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach. Notice this, whom they might teach. The learning, somebody say the ways, and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. It is understood by this reading today that when the children of Israel went in to the Babylonian captivity, that the elect of the children of Israel were taken before the king where he set a table for them. And at that table, they would be learned in the knowledge and the language of the Chaldeans. But today, I want to preach to you from my heart what I believe is the heart of God for the generation that is to come behind me, for my children, for your children and grandchildren, the young people of this church. And I'm just going to preach it to you like this. We'll set our own table. Thank you very much. Turn to your neighbor and tell them today, we'll set our own table. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We'll set our own table. So, I'm going to preach to you today some things that's probably going to make some of you uncomfortable. I seem to be a, a professional at that. So, if you need to, just put your seatbelts on for a little while. But I'm going to begin today at a, at a strong pace. I don't have a whole lot of time. I do want to lay some foundational principles that will help you. But the opening of the book of Daniel has always caught me a little bit at some point place of weakness in my spirit that it's hard for me to comprehend God giving the kingdom of Judah over to the Babylonians God gave it's very plain God gave him over to the Babylonians why would God give his people over to the Babylonians this all comes from a New Testament principle again I won't belabor the point here for long because I'm just laying a foundation I got to get where I'm going but the scripture said that because they had not love for the truth, 
that God would send them a strong delusion and cause them to believe a lie that they might be damned. Some time ago, I preached a sermon in this church called When God Finally Lets You Believe What You Want to Believe. And the reason why the king of Judah, Jehoiakim, was turned over to Babylonian captivity with his people and as well the vessels of the house of the Lord is because a love for truth had been taken from their hearts that they freely handed over to the enemy. Following the exodus from uh, Egypt, the people of Israel under the leadership of Moses entered into covenant relationship with Yahweh God of heaven and earth and the word of the Lord said that he was to be their God and they to be his people. It was without question that the Israelites were fully aware of their responsibilities which were set down for them by Moses in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In other words, it wasn't just mentioned one time. It was woven throughout the fabric of the people. They did not even become a nation fully until the word was interweaved in the fabric, the fiber, and the cadence of who they were. A particular interest to us is the ultimate sanction that God had placed upon them and he threatened to use his power against the children of Israel if they refused to obey him and went their own way and sought after idolatry. The Lord promised them that he would scatter them amongst the nation. Although they were warned time after time through the major and the minor prophets of the scripture of where their actions would lead them, they continually kept their face turned in the direction of idolatry. The prophetic books make it very clear to you and I and also to the children of Israel, God's charge against those people, that as they refused to be corrected, that exile was an inevitable result. They fell in love with idol gods. And there was really only one thing that could happen. And that was that God would turn them over and allow them to have what they really wanted in their hearts. The problem with this is as went the people and as went the king, the scripture said also, went the vessels of the house of the Lord. It's a shame to me how it affects the kingdom of God and the church is affected when people in leadership refuse to fall in love with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. The sad part of this story is that every one of us know at the beginning of the story what's going to happen if they don't give their hearts to the will of God. And I say to you this morning, the same thing is absolutely still a fact and a truth in this hour. We don't have any other options. You're going to serve one master and you're going to hate the other. There is no in between. There is no gray area. I want to tell you that you can't be almost saved and make it to heaven it's a fact I've heard brother Johnny James preach it all my life that almost saved is always lost this is not the time or the hour for you and I to play games with what we know to be truth we've got to fall in love with it and live it for the children of Israel to fall in love with idolatry 
meant that they had to forsake the God that took them out of Egypt. They had to forsake the God that kept them in the wilderness. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that you can't love idolatry without forsaking God. You absolutely cannot hold fast to both loves in your heart. You can't love the idols of this world. You can't love the pleasures of this world. Oh, preacher, you're just a Pentecostal preacher that's up there talking about Pentecostal rhetoric. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because the scripture said not Pentecost. The scripture said that if any man love the world or the things that are in the world, that the love of the Father is not in him. I tell you the problem today that I see. It's not that it's not in the word. It's that people don't love the word. They don't want to preach the word. They don't want to receive the word. Forgive me today if I sound like I'm being hard. But I want you to understand there is a reason why people are attracted to donuts and coffee in the sanctuary. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There's a reason why they're attracted to stage lights and dim lights and, and uh, smoke and, 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 and uh, preachers. I, I say that so reluctantly. In skinny jeans. That's a revelation this world needs to get. Like something's got to happen with skinny jeans. I'm just telling you. Somebody needs to bear the message. Like you don't need to be wearing no skinny jeans. <laughs> Can I tell you right now, despite what anybody tells you in this modern world, Jesus was not hip. Jesus was not cool. Jesus didn't walk around with holes in his garment because he wanted to look neat and put on a little leather jacket. Jesus didn't walk into the synagogue, get him a, uh, a nice little stool and a latte and tell him, look, why don't you move that podium off the platform? We don't need that anymore. He didn't sit down, sip his coffee and say, well, he's anointed me to preach. But we're not really going to bind up the brokenhearted. And we're not really going to set at liberty them that are bruised. We're just going to tell the bruised it's okay to be bruised and stay that way. You remember what he said? He said, this day hath this reading been fulfilled. I'm telling you that the word of God will fulfill some things. It was never meant to leave the brokenhearted brokenhearted. It was never meant to leave the bruised bruised. It was a word of deliverance. And I've come to tell you today that I still believe in the delivering power of the word of God. And so ultimately what happens is now it's not just the people that are affected, but because of their carnality, the things that God had separated unto himself as holy, that were vessels and instruments of the house of God, are now affected. And you can see it in your own Bible. They took vessels of the house of capital G-O-D. Capital G-O-D. Speaking of V. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they moved those vessels to the house of his lowercase G-O-D-S because the things that belonged to God ended up in the house of their gods. And that's what we're seeing in society today is that people are playing games with things that belong to God and we've given them to the gods of this world. But I'm thankful to be in an apostolic Jesus name. One God tongue talking apostolic church today that believes in giving what belongs to God. If we're not careful, we're going to invite voices into the lives of our children and the next generation that we never dreamed would speak into their ear. But the sad point today that we must recognize is that while we have the opportunity to speak over our children and guard them and protect them in this church, if those voices are allowed into their lives, in their ears, it's not because the child sought it out. It's because we welcomed it. I was praying this weekend trying to pull all of this together and I got to reading in Ezekiel a little bit. This was all kind of leading up to the Babylonian exile and I got to reading in Ezekiel the 8th chapter and the 7th through the 11th verse where he said he saw some secret doors in the temple and the doors were opened up and then he looks inside. The Lord shows him this vision inside and there were 70 elders in there. 70 elders that were worshiping false gods and idolatry in the house of the Lord in the temple. Ezekiel said the Lord opened up the doors and he showed me and you, you can go read it for yourself and it's like the spirit of the Lord carries him down this hallway. There's no valley of dry bones this time. It's the house of God and the doors are open and inside the inner sanctum if you would the core of the house of God were 70 elders that were worshiping idolatry and then they wondered why their children were marrying strange wives. What the elders allowed to happen in secret, their children fell in love with and espoused themselves to. Can I reach for some elders today and tell you that if we don't care enough about it to guard it, then the next generation is not going to care anything about it. I feel like telling you today, I have a desire, not only as a father, but as a pastor, for our children to love this message and to love being apostolic. I don't want anybody in the ears of my girls telling them that you belong on the other side of the tracks. You're a weirdo for believing that way. You're strange for dressing that way. I'm proud to be an apostolic from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm going to speak to you right now as straight as I can talk to you. And this is what the Lord I felt gave me. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't understand why anybody would want to backslide and leave. You know, I've been in this church pretty much all my life. I've been full-time pastoral ministry, as I mentioned earlier, for 21 years. January was 21 years that the Lord has allowed me to serve in this church. And I've seen people walk out the door that I never dreamed would leave. Never dreamed would backslide. Never. I never dreamed in a thousand years that they would be lost and without God. 
I couldn't believe that they would walk away. And as I was praying this week, the Lord dealt with me about something. And this right here, I believe, is a, is a word that you can build on a strong foundation with if you'll allow the Holy Ghost to speak to you. But I've got to slow it down and say it very plainly to you what I, hear, what I heard in the Holy Ghost. The Lord, I felt impressed on my soul to say the reason why some people can so easily walk away from truth and hear me closely, is that they were taught to respect it, but never to love it. We're not doing our children and the next generation a favor by telling them the reason we are holiness people is because that's what pastor preaches. The reason we dress the way we dress and live the way we live is because that's what they teach at the church. What we're doing is raising a generation of young people that have learned to respect holiness, but never to fall in love with it. They have learned to respect a one God, Jesus name message, but never fall in love with it. And as long as we allow Trinitarians to speak into the lives of our children, they're going to learn to respect both doctrines and they're not going to fall in love with God, somebody help me right now. The voices that you invite into the ears of your children will at some point become louder than you ever dreamed they would. I don't want false doctrine reverberating in the ears of my children. We've raised a generation of people that respect baptism. So they get baptized because they respect it. They don't realize it's covenant salvific language. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not baptized to get to join a church. You're baptized for the remission of your sin. And you are taking on a name and betrothing yourself to a name. You are connecting yourself. When you're baptized, you're taking yourself off the market and saying, I'm not dating anymore. I've engaged myself, betrothed myself. I plan on being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've raised generations of people that respect talking in other tongues. But if you do, you do. There's nothing wrong with it. But I don't believe everybody has to do it. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Be baptized if you want to. Somebody shouted out, everyone. Oh, well, that was just for them there. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad. It's beautiful. Because the promise is unto you. And to who? Oh. To your children. To your children? That means if you don't love it, they won't either. And if you don't believe it, they won't either. Unto you... Why did he not take time right there? Why didn't he just stop and say, for the promises unto you and all who are far off? Why didn't he? Why didn't he just say the promises unto you and everybody that's far off, even as the Lord, our God shall call? Because he wanted to put some responsibility on those tongue talkers. He wanted them to know that if you'll fall in love with it, your kids will fall in love with it. The promise is unto you and it's unto your children. Get under the burden of this Pentecostal experience and let your children know there is no other way to be saved. 
So what we see transpire is that because of a fickle generation, listen, if you believe for one moment that everybody in Judah loved idolatry, you're silly. Everybody didn't love idolatry. But enough of them did that it affected the whole body. Because there were obviously at least four that we know of. Specifically, as I mentioned uh, this morning in a conversation, the scripture can be explicit or implicit. And we know explicitly of at least four men that were in the Babylonian captivity that still loved God, put God first, sought God first. When they said, don't pray, Daniel prayed. When they said, bow down, the, the three Hebrew boys refused to bow down. We know for sure there were at least four. But understand me when I tell you that even though there were some that refused to turn their back on God, it was the whole body that paid the price. And they all went into captivity. This has created quite the conundrum in my life. And I'm going to say this today. Please understand. I don't say this for accolades and I don't say this to sound like I'm more holy than somebody else. But you have to know that in my generation, there's not a whole lot of guys my age that feel what I feel. If it means more tithe payers. If it means building bigger buildings, driving nicer cars and getting bigger houses. That's all right. I've preached conferences and camp meetings with guys all my life that just a short while after we'd be together preaching, next thing I would hear, they had absolutely compromised what they believed. They had laid down their convictions, and I found out then they weren't convictions at all. There's one man, if I named his name today, several in here would know. We had preached several meetings together. And he went and preached for a friend of mine. And he made a statement at that meeting where he was preaching for uh, a mutual friend. He told him after church that day, he was very troubled. He said, what, man, what, what do you think, what's going on? He said, I'll tell you what's going on in my mind. He said, I'm getting ready to launch this church. And I'm trying to get this church off the ground. He said, but I can't wait until this church financially sustains me enough to where I don't have to preach stuff I don't even believe anymore just to make a living. And I want to tell you something that may surprise you, and it may not. That man who just thought, if I let up just a little bit, I'll grow a church today. He absolutely holds fast to the doctrine of the Trinity in his own church. You want me to tell you why? Because compromise has no end. It has no measure. If you ever open up the door before you know it, all of you are going to be in exile. And all of you are going to be separated. Pastor, this seems kind of odd for a Sunday morning. I'm telling you, I believe I'm preaching to a generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And I'm preaching in this house today for every cent that I'm worth. I'm reaching for you to let you know that the reason PCA is coming to pass is not because we wanted something else to do. It's not because we wanted to start a babysitting club. It's because I want our children, your children, and the children of this city and this county and this surrounding area to know. Hear, oh Israel, the Lord our God is what? So let me say this to you today. I know we're streaming online, so I got to be careful how I say things. Because I sure don't want fake book looking in on me. I'm going to tell you all something. 
we got to preach truth whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or it's not. So let me just be honest with you. If I felt like our public school system's agenda was reading, writing, and arithmetic, I'd have no trouble at all just letting it go. But you don't have to hang a pride flag in your classroom to teach math. This world is slowly dismantling Judeo-Christian values. Teaching our children that you have a choice in some of these matters. Now, I know we got kids in here today. So before some of you take a deep breath and say, Ooh, I can't believe you'd say that in front of my kids. Just know it would scare you to death if you knew what they were learning in second grade right now. But I want you to listen to me. The first day that it's visible on a video screen in the doctor's office, my wife and I went through it four times. We've got one in heaven. But for the three that were old enough that we could tell on the screen, there was no guessing what the baby was. And when they looked on the screen and there was no male genitals, they looked at my wife and I said, Oh, look, it's a girl. And my girls didn't have a choice in whether they were a boy or a girl. So you can sew it on or cut it off, but it doesn't change the plan of God. And we don't have a right to teach our children that they've got a choice in the matter. Pastor, you guys got to get more open-minded. That's a problem. People are getting so open-minded, their brains are falling out. So if you want to get your ideology outside of the canon of the scripture, that's fine to be open-minded. But the Lord told them when they came out to Sinai, he said, close your minds off. And tell your children to close their minds. They need to know there's one Lord. Somebody shout one Lord. We need to tell our children beyond a doubt. This is not multiple choice. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. I don't know how in the world I'm going to get this done, but I'm going to get it done. So the issue that perplexes me so deeply is that while there were a few that took a stand during the captivity, it was a time of separation. And there were a few that took a stand. And you young people need to take note of this. The only ones that made the history pages were the ones that did stand. Compromisers don't deserve to be in the book. But 
the sad part to me is that while there are a few testimonies of people that make it out okay, what about the thousands and thousands that were fed at the king's table of Babylon and said, man, this tastes better to me than I ever dreamed it would. Hope you all got your seatbelts on. One of the most surprising things, and I hope this is not misconstrued, but if you'll ever talk to a backslider that's honest and comes back to God, they're going to tell you some things that will shock you. One of the most shocking things to a backslider that happens to them is when they leave the presence of God in an atmosphere like this on a Sunday morning, the power of God moving and working. And they leave and go to their first ball game. When they get to the ball game, there is a familiar feeling as the crowd begins to rage. And there is unity and there's anticipation. And there are people rooting for a team. And people literally praising men in uniforms running all around. And all of a sudden, chills stand up on their arm as they hear the crowd scream, Yeah! They'll say, this feels pretty familiar to me because I felt this at camp meeting. I remember being a kid. And, you know, as a young kid, my life revolved around music. and It's what I loved, what I did. was blessed to play a lot of good music at a young age with good, good people and Man, I love being with the Magruders. And I go to a Magruders concert, Bishop, and man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Just like I felt on Sunday night. Sister Priscilla would start in, get up the talking in tongues. She didn't care if it was Church of God Baptist. She didn't care who was sitting in the crowd. She, boy, she'd get to hickamowing and talking in tongues. I loved it. But I'm going to tell you all something scary. People describe the same feeling of exhilaration when they leave an apostolic concert and they go to their first rock concert. They say, oh man, it was weird when I walked in, I felt chills. Well, I want to tell y'all a little something today. It's because they feel a spirit. But it's not the same controlling spirit that you and I are were, uh, used to feeling. And we have no right to lie to young people and tell them that the world has nothing to offer them. Because if it didn't have anything to offer them, they wouldn't want to go. Woo. Boy, that was tight. I felt the brakes come on right there. Listen to me. If living a life of sexual promiscuity wasn't fun, people would quit. <laughs> if the drug culture didn't feel good, there wouldn't be addicts. But the reason they're addicted to something is because they got started in something. And they were taught it was okay to love something. That's why I don't have a problem with my kids at 11 o'clock at night asking permission to get on YouTube to finish the sermon of a camp meeting that they're watching. I'd rather my kids...
kids be addicted to preaching than I would pornography. It's time that we raise up a generation of young people that can't wait to get to the house of God. They'd rather be in church than the best ballpark in the world. I'll never forget watching Michael Jackson walk down this hallway. And I mean this no disrespect. I was raised in a generation of people getting slain in the spirit. And I still believe in it. It don't happen enough for me. But I remember watching these women and men. Full grown people. Michael Jackson came walking by. They just fall out in the floor. What happened to them? Same thing that happens to us in the presence of God. We get overwhelmed by the spirit. Oh, Pastor St. Clair, you're really reaching. You're really reaching until you walk a mile in it. You understand me when I tell you that wherever, wherever, that there is something that is pure and powerful, there will be a counterfeit spirit that's with it. And you hear me when I tell you right now, hear me very plainly. I refuse as a man of God to allow counterfeit $100 bills to keep me from spending real ones. Well, I'm going to preach to you right here now, okay? Why is it important for us to have this kind of an atmosphere for our kids? I'm going to tell you why. Because I've been around the church long enough to see people that, Brother Stephen, they'll say, yeah, I, I'm just not... I'm not really outward with my worship. That's not me. But I've been with them when the Colts won the Super Bowl. So I know they're lying. I've seen them root for their team, jump up and down, scream, yes, yes, yes. And when I'm preaching, they're like, Can I tell you right now what I learned, and I hadn't watched sports in so long, couldn't tell you how long it's been. Don't care if I ever do again. But I'm going to tell you all something. I got sick of Peyton Manning letting me down. But the guy that I cheer for every Sunday morning, Sunday night, he ain't never letting me down. I want one of them cones. I want this Christian school to raise up a bunch of kids that when an evangelist comes in here and says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, our kids say, yeah! I've been preaching on Sunday nights, on Super Bowl Sunday. Step out of the pulpit, my clothes drenching wet. Just like only you can feel as a pastor on Sunday night, just completely drenched. And somebody walk up to me and say, did you see the score? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> my shoes are squishing. I ain't had time to have my phone out. I'm going to tell you what I want. Please forgive me. I know it sounds a little hard. But I'd rather our kids leave their phones out there and bring one of these. 
Because I may be able to read the Bible on my phone, but I can check the, fo- the football score too. And there ain't no football scores in here. The only score in here is the devil tried and it didn't work and we win. <laughs> my friend Brother Tuttle was preaching the other night. I was wrestling too because I knew what I was trying to put together to preach this weekend. If he wasn't so expensive, I, he cost me money the other night, and I'm not going to talk about it. Matt Tuttle cost me money. So if you see him, you just tell him he cost me money because he made me take my tie off and give it to somebody in the middle of the church. Like, he didn't think, sorry, sucker, stand up there with his tie on. He's like, somebody take your tie off and give it to somebody. I'm like, you take yours off. I left without my tie, and he kept his. If you see this tunnel, you owe me a tie. But he said something the other night, and my heart was beating so fast. It was just beating so fast I couldn't contain it. Because he said, I don't ever want I don't ever want us to lose aisle runners in the church. They just did a remodel of their church in Vider in Texas. He said the architect came in and they, they, they were remodeling the church. Sister Kelly, the architect came in and laid the plans down on his desk. And said, okay, here's your plan. This is how many seats we can add and all that. And he said, this is how wide this is. And Brother Tuttle looked down. He said, "Uh, those aisles aren't wide enough. And he said, well, actually, Pastor, they're perfectly set up to code. He said, maybe to your code, but not the apostolic code. He said that old Baptist guy looked at him kind of funny. And he said, in this church, we need a little room to run the aisles. So for all these young people today that you're trying to figure out why they got these, if your kids got a pom-pom in their hand right now, I just want them to throw them up in the air. Some of you adults ought to grab one and show them how to do it on Sunday morning. When we come in this house, we don't really care what the world says about it. We're going to raise up a generation of apostolic young people that are in love with Jesus. Don't you young men make them run by themselves. Come on, they're setting a trend for you right now. The world wants to bring your children and set them down at their table and teach them the language. But we'll set our own table. If that's all right, we're going to teach our children. There's only one way. There's only one way. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. Come on, somebody. We're going to teach our children that the agenda of our lives is not set by the agenda of the world. The agenda is set by the word of God. And this is what we believe. We believe in one man and one woman for life. We believe that it's a will of God for us to buy into the word, to love it. Come on, y'all forsook me right there now. Let me see one of them. Jocelyn, you got two of them. It means you're twice as... Let me take hers. I want you to have one. I I need you to do something. My baby even wore school colors. Look at it. My God. I got school spirit. Brother Josh, you and I talked about it the other day. Someday God's going to give us growth 
in this school, and we're going to have programs and sports, and we're going we're gonna to do it all. God's going to help us do it. But before these kids ever run up and down a ball court and scream for volleyball, basketball, I want these kids on Sunday night to know it's always in order to get out of the choir loft in this church. It's always in order to feel the Holy Ghost in this choir and get out of that loft and get down here and dance and shout and give God praise. We'll set our own table. Thank you. I want to raise the generation that know how to speak the language of faith. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying before God ever finishes the work, we give Him praise for it. Before our body's been healed, we give Him praise for it. I want a faith generation. Oh, God. We got guys that are so afraid they're going to end up on church milk or something. They refused to preach. I followed that for a little while. Laughed at a couple of them. Then I realized how much of a mockery was being made of some people. And I'm going to tell you, church, I'm going to tell you. We need to raise a generation of young people that honor, respect, and revere the house of God. The kingdom of God. I know these are different days and times that we're living by. I'm just, I'm just being honest with y'all. Forget about the pastor. I was raised with people that some of the elders in the church would be in jail. If they treated your kids the way they treated me. My daddy was preaching revival. You can, you, you can stand up. I'm almost done. Whatever you want to do, be seated. I was, my daddy was preaching revival in Louisiana. Like, I'm the evangelist kid, right? And so we walk in this church, and I'm like, oh, you know, forgive me if I say this, but kind of, I was like, kind of own the joint, you know? My dad's here preaching. So we kind of do what we want. I can tell you the pastor's name, but his grandson watches a lot, so I'm not going to tell you. And when I walked in the little, little bitty church, when I walked in, they had a sign on the door. that They had them noisy doors. When you walked in this little lobby, you go in the sanctuary, they go, and on that door it said, kids use the restroom before church because you're not getting up and going out during church. And I was like, so I finished doing my deal playing the drums for my mother, and she sang, and Daddy was getting ready to preach, and I'd probably already heard it 40 times. <laughs> so I walked down off the platform, got off the drums, and I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and get me a drink. That old boy said to me, he said, hey, where do you think you're going? Right back to my seat, Elder. That's where I'm going. You know what some of our kids would say today? Ain't none of your business where I'm going. You know what would have happened to me if I'd have done that? I wouldn't be here preaching today. Somebody in this house would be, oh, I remember little old Luke. He was the sweetest little old kid. I'm going to tell you all today, our kids need to know this is a house of honor. This is a house of reverence. This is the house of the Lord. This is the place where the glory of God dwells. We're going to set our own table. 
I don't care if everybody else sets up a slide that goes down into the baptistry here. We're going to teach you a Bible study. And we're going to talk to you before you get in the water. Because we don't just want wet Christians. We want people that have been converted. I got I to quit. You can stand. I'm seven minutes over time and some of you are like, oh, my Lord. You know, this is something I never understood. People go to ball games and they feel like they get their money's worth if it goes into overtime. They throw a buck in the offering here. I preach eight minutes over and they're like, I'll tell you the difference is how much you're invested in it. They said, y'all come sit at our table and let us teach you the learning and the language. And so if you really, really want to know why we feel such a burning in our hearts for Pentecostal Christian Academy, it's because we're going to set our own table. I don't say this today, and I, I, I tell young preachers, be careful how you, what you say, denominations from the pulpit. I'll be very, very careful how you deal with people. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, I want you to hear me closely. I'm not saying this to be ugly. But I don't need Joel Osteen to help me raise my kids. I don't. I don't need Stephen Furtick to help me raise my kids. I want preachers that believe hero Israel. I don't want there to be any confusion in my, mind, in my kids' minds. None. You don't have to worry about me taking them to hear so-and-so preach. It ain't going to happen. You know why I just about killed myself this last week to drive all the way to Little Rock for camp meeting? Preached here Sunday. Drove all the way there. Got in. They sold our room. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm standing. I'm like, can we have, have our room? What's your name? St. Clair. And they're like, oh. We got upstairs and they gave us this room. I'm like, this ain't it. And. Oh, Sister TJ, she handled it like a trooper. We walked back down. Oh, we're so sorry. We're completely full and we sold your room. Oh, God. These people know why we're here. So, anyhow, it was worth it. We pulled a cot in there. It was against fire code, and thank God. He even messed with us. Three o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm went off. Drove down there, went to church for two days, drove all the way home, got in late Wednesday night. You know why I do that? Because my kids said, Dad, we want to go to camp meeting. Do you know why they're packing up right now and all these goofy girls in this place? <laughs> Sister Fielder, I don't know what to do with all these girls. All these girls are being like, oh, I'm packed for camp. I'm like, why? I mean, good God, man. They're not going to let you on the campground till they're ready to let you in on the campground. I'm so glad that our kids are excited about camp meeting. Because this coming week, our young people, our senior campers, they're going to hear some one God Jesus name preaching. The next week, our junior campers, they're going to hear some one God Jesus name preaching.
Job looks at you and wonders why you would pull your kids out of public school and put them in a Christian school. What is wrong with you, man? Do you realize what you're taking away from your kids? Do you realize what your kids are going to miss? Yeah, I do. I do. I sure do. (laughs) We don't celebrate Pride Month around here. Because we believe you must be born again. And even if you feel like you're born that way, you still got to be born again. And when you're born again, you take on a new name and a new nature. Our young people were created in the image of God. And every dime that you have spent, every mission moment that you have given to make this school come to pass and that you continue to invest in, just know that it's not in vain because every Friday morning, Sister Doris, every Friday in that chapel upstairs, our young people are going to be in an apostolic church service. We're going to raise up preachers and musicians and pastors and evangelists and missionaries. We're going to raise up prison ministries and we're going to raise up nursing home ministries. That ought to make somebody happy. Uh, Brother St. Clair, I don't, I don't have any kids and I don't have any grandkids so I'm just going to let you carry that I understand that's really how you feel but let me just tell you today your investment in the kingdom of God does not go unnoticed by God it does not go unnoticed by God Brother St. Clair all my kids are lost they're not in church all my grandkids are lost they're not in church let me tell you something I believe when you invest in somebody else's field, God will invest in yours. 